Ten must have some benefits. There must be like 18 years something. You get something, right? It's not like you just, it's all or nothing, right? You know, Jason, to tell you the truth, I get nothing. Oh, no. I don't get anything. If I was to rejoin federal service and do a few years, I could get retirement. So, but I'd have to go back into the military. Leaving the way I did, it's just deuces. You just walk out the door. Welcome to Fortune and Faith, a show about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and how their faith influenced and oftentimes sustained them as they persevere through obstacles, failures, and challenges on their quest for success. I'm Jason Tang. In today's episode, how maxillofacial surgeon Logan Curtis decides to walk away from a fully guaranteed military pension with only two years of his 20-year commitment remaining to open his own oral surgery office in upstate New York. When it comes to a child following the career advice of a parent, studies report almost 40% of respondents feel pressure to follow exactly what their parents advise. And that's true for Logan Curtis, owner of Upstate Oral Surgery and Dental Implants in the Empire State. Logan follows the footsteps of his father by joining the military, but his motivation is to pay for medical school to achieve his goal of becoming an oral surgeon. As a teenager, Logan gets first-hand experience of this career path after breaking his jaw and losing some teeth when he's tackled in a game of backyard football. And after seeing the bill and the opportunity to make money while helping others, he's fully focused on achieving his goal. But like any young man, he also has a goal of finding his true love, which he does when his dad is teaching ROTC back in Utah. Met my wife there in a seminary class when we were about 16 years old, uh, obviously didn't know it yet. First date, talked her into ditching seminary. We had a good time. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, you know, I got um, started school. I actually joined the military myself when I was 17 years old. And the reason for that, I remember going to my dad and saying, hey, dad, I, I'd like to go to college, kind of hint, hint. And he said, well, that sounds great, son. That's a good idea. I said, I need some money to do it. And he said, yeah, you do. So he wasn't taking the hit. And I said, Dad, do you have any money so I can go to school? <laughs> he said, uh, no, but the Army does. And um, so I actually uh, skipped my last year of, of high school and went to basic training when I was 17. And uh, that got me the, the money I needed to, uh, to start attending school the next year. I was in the National Guard for the next few years, enlisted. And that's where my education began. How I did left you... on my mission. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, how, how did you... How did you miss your last year of high school to go into army to, to the army? Because that isn't usually, you know, you need to graduate before you go in. Yeah, absolutely. I did. I, I had enough credits in high school to basically finish early, you know, like many of us do. And I started some college courses my junior year. So I, I took an extra class, I think, and then wrapped everything up so I could go. I always had to, kind of a hankering to get going on life. So I was ready to get out of the house and start living life. And when it comes to basic training and, and living the military life, and I, by no means am I, am I knocking uh, the military, but it, it's not exactly conducive in all ways to, you know, the lives that we're trying to live as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So how did you navigate going into you know, a new area, probably not many friends and, you know, maybe not the standards. 
Oh, that's uh, that's such a great question. Let me just share one experience. I went to basic training in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. It was the summer of 1999. Uh, I was 17. First time away from home. And a very different environment. Didn't know a soul there. I remember very distinctly three weeks in, we had a drill sergeant come in and he called everybody. We had a, a group meeting and something was going on because the guy was, uh, was very upset. And apparently he'd been turned in by someone in the group saying that they felt that he was using abusive language, which of course he was. That's what they do. <laughs> but they tried to draw the line at particularly um, bad language. And, and this is where he was. And he was ranting and raving. And, and you know, I was, I was pretty nervous. And um, he, he said, well, who is offended by my cussing? That's how he said it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> first of all, I wasn't too offended, but what happened was I, I looked around and there were five return missionaries in my platoon. Oh, wow. Just by, just by coincidence, by happenstance. I'd gotten to know these guys. They knew I was LDS. I knew that they were return missionaries and Jason, all five of them raised their hands. So I was like, well, I'm going to raise my hand. <laughs> I raised my hand. The six of us went into his office. He screamed at us for an hour. For the next few days, every time he'd say, you're all doing push-ups for these Mormon guys. And it got really, really ugly. Turns out that the guy who had complained didn't have the courage to raise his hand. He never, he never came forward. And that was a kind of a big moment for me because it's the first time that I'd ever had the opportunity to kind of stand up and say, this is kind of what I believe. And I was lucky. I was so lucky because I had the example of those return missionaries there to help me see okay, this is something that we're going to stand up for. And um, it was really interesting what happened next. Um, you get leadership positions in basic training based on PT scores. And it just so happened I was 17. I was, I was in pretty good shape. <laughs> and so were the other guys. And um, our, our PL was, a, was an LDS returned missionary. I was one of the squad leaders. Three others of us were squad leaders. And um, – so the leadership of the entire platoon changed. That uh, drill sergeant was relieved, and uh, things looked up from there. But it was such a great experience. Just I knew what I was doing was just standing up for the same kind of beliefs that these guys were, and that made a huge difference. Gave me a lot of confidence going forward. And even though it was difficult, uh, we eventually made it through, and and really kind of changed the changed the program. We had two people get baptized from our platoon. And both of them said, when you guys raised your hands, I wanted to raise my hand, but I didn't. I said, well, next time, raise your hand, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's incredible. I mean, you're, you're already doing missionary work, if you, if you will, like, right there in your platoon as, as a 17-year-old. But I don't think you go on your mission right away either, though. I don't know if that's no, an option. Was... I, I'm not sure what the commitment is. Yeah, no, I couldn't go um, until I was 19 at that time. That was when they were doing missions. I didn't leave until I was almost 21 because I had a commitment to the Army that I had to finish up before I left. You know, for me, um, that first kind of experience with, with testimony and, and standing up for something like that, I was just grateful that I had that example there. I really have to give credit to those guys. And it was easy at that point to, uh, to raise my hand and be part of that group. Um, 
And then your confidence starts to grow from there. So I can't really take credit. I don't know who raised their hand first, but good job. <laughs> Does the life that that you're living, so that experience gives you the confidence to to continue forward, you know, living the gospel? Because you're really on your own right now. I mean, without your family, I should say. But what about the other things that you need to do? You know, it's... You've got to choose to pray. You've got to choose to read your scripture. You've got to choose to go to church because your mom's not there, you know, slapping you <laughs> telling you, come on, Logan, let's go. Yeah, and, you know, faith is always a choice, right? That's, that's the real truth, truth of the matter. And so as I was um, winding up my associate's degree, I had a choice to make about a mission. And that's, uh, for me, it wasn't necessarily an easy choice. I'd kind of already moved out and started a life. So I had to kind of go back to that. Um, I had a real amazing experience for, for me, it was simple. Every, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to prepare for a mission. What I would like to do is read the book of Mormon every night and pray. And that's You're thinking this as a 20 year old or 21 year old. I, I was 20, 21. Yeah. Well, you know, my folks had set such a good example for me. I think, you know, even my dad said, just do that. That'll help prepare you. So every night I went to bed, I read a, a chapter or two, said my prayers, and I just had that experience that it describes in the Book of Mormon that, you know, you could feel the faith beginning and you could feel your heart changing. And then pretty soon you've had enough of those experiences just to know that it's true. But the Book of Mormon I have such a testimony of it because it changed my life. So once you experience a change like that, there's really no question after that. So how long in between the time that you're, you're starting to read and pray each night, how many you know, months or, or maybe weeks or maybe days before that experience happened where you're like, I need to go? I would say about six months for me. You know, I, I started to feel, as it describes, the swellings in your heart, right? And and that tree of faith began to blossom. And I and I slowly incorporated more of the gospel into my life and my decisions. I went to institute. I did those kind of things, and and then it became obvious. You know, I knew I had a savior. I knew the Book of Mormon was true, and those were certain knowledge in my mind. So then it was easy easier <laughs> and, and i love that you, you know that you're sharing that because you know the swelling and the process and it takes time you know i think people sometimes especially this day and age you know we live in a world of immediacy we want our testimony to go from you know very little to the the tree that's bearing fruit already but it there's a process that we have to go through and it took you six months of consistently doing those things to have that testimony really grow for you to go out and act and, and serve a mission. So where did you, where did you, yeah. end up, oh, go ahead. But I was going to ask you where you went well, up, end up going. Sure. I, I'll share that. You know, and I go back to that faith is a choice thing. None of this happens without choosing to say, I'm going to read my scriptures and pray every day. And then when I feel those things, then I'm going to act on them. And, um, and I've never had, what I would call one of these major experience. I've had some pretty special experiences, but you know, nothing to the level that, uh, that some people experience, but I have had many 
uh, encounters with the Spirit and feeling close to the Savior. And so that has just brought a, a certainty to me. Um, but I, you know, I received my mission call in 2001. Um, I was asked to serve in Guatemala um, in the Guatemala City North Mission, which, you know, as any missionary will tell you, was just awesome. <laughs> and when you go to, to this mission, what's is there any consequences to going in terms of the army? Like at BYU, you, it's easy. You can defer, right? And you, when you get back, you're, you're right back into it. I, I don't know if yeah, the army has that kind of thing or, or not, or, or does it? Well, you know, it's interesting you ask that because it plays back into a faith-based decision we had to make when we opened our business almost, you know, over 20 years later. It does have a consequence. I, I couldn't leave the army service. I had to go into what's called the inactive ready reserve of the IRR. So that two years is two years that you can take off of your commitment, but you still owe the Army time after that, and that does not count towards retirement. And so those two years actually became really important when we finally decided to leave the Army because I left the Army with 18 years in, and I needed two more for retirement. And so uh, (laughs) later on, you know, that became a big decision point for us in opening a business. Cause when we left the, the army and our, our service there, that's when we opened our business. Right. And, and we'll get to that point, but let, let's go back to the mission part. So hold on everybody. Yeah. You, we'll get there. Don't worry. Um, but <laughs> you go to Guatemala city. What, what do you learn there? I mean, I know you learn a lot, but in, in terms of when it comes to getting towards the point of, of opening your business, what do you learn on the mission that really transfers over? I remember, my first area, I was in the in the jungles of Guatemala in a place called Dolores, which for Spanish speakers means paints. And uh, yeah, it was it was interesting situation. Water came once a week. Uh, I was there when nine eleven happened, and um, I bring that up because that was such a different experience to be newly out of the country and to uh, to see that happen. And there was a lot of mixed reactions. Some people were celebrating. Um, which is an interesting reaction to right. see. And I, I at that point had realized um, just how blessed we are in many ways in the United States to have the opportunities we have. And that was a big game changer for me on my mission because I said, well, I'm eventually going to make it back there. And Guatemala is great, but the United States is amazing. And I have a real opportunity to build something. And that kind of gave me some motivation going back to say, um, I'm really going to make something of myself because I have the opportunity to do it. And I saw people in Guatemala struggle and scrape and they worked hard. It wasn't lack of work. Um, and many times there was success and oftentimes it was much more difficult. So it really just made me realize, Hey, um, I've got this great opportunity. I need to take advantage of it. Um, other than that, on my mission, I just learned hard work does pay dividends and learning a language and beating the streets and being out in that heat um, helped me realize that there's really nothing I can't do with the Lord's help. Because you were there and served in the military, and then when this happened, uh, 9-11, were there thoughts of like, I need to go home. I need to go home and fight. I mean, I, I would think that's part of your mentality a little bit. Almost immediately. <laughs> you know, was, hey, am I going to need to leave? Are they going to call me back? Where do I belong? What's my obligation and duty? Um, And because I was part of the, at at the time I was part of the Utah National Guard, 
they made it very clear. They sent out letters and said, those of you that are on your full-time service missions can stay. And uh, that helped quite a bit. But when you when I was there in Guatemala, I'd only been there for a couple months. And to see this attack on our country, I almost immediately just wanted to go home. I wanted to be home, right? Just like many of us did who experienced that. I don't want to be stuck in Guatemala. <laughs> that was kind of the thought that went through my mind. As much as I love Guatemala, um, being a young missionary, I was like, whew. Um, it definitely made those those few days hard and interesting. Um, but um, hearing from, you know, the, the National Guard pretty quickly that we were uh, wanted to stay, and I also heard from my mission president and from church headquarters that that's where they wanted us to be, that resolved it fairly quickly. Right. Part of that faith part again. Yeah. So, so you finish your mission, you come home, marry you, you, your girlfriend that you skipped seminary with. <laughs> <laughs> we won't forget that. I don't know if your kids, they're going to be like, Dad. <laughs> oh, they love that story. <laughs> oh, I bet they do. They use that all day long. I know I would. But uh-huh. you, you decide to go at, at this time. Are you deciding, have you decided what you wanted to do in terms of career? Or did you know you wanted to just be... A military career? Well, I knew, so what I knew I wanted to do was pursue a career in oral surgery. And I knew that when I was 15, I broke my job playing football and had several surgeries. And that's really what generated my interest in that. So I knew leaving from my mission that my next big hurdle was um, school and education. So for us um, in the healthcare industry, especially uh, for doctors or surgeons or those kind of uh, folks, we kind of have this huge time commitment that's scary up front before you can start a business and you're wandering around in the desert just like the children of Israel for 40 years waiting until the day you can finally do your job and make yourself a living Um, so I knew that the first part of that was really uh, getting good enough grades first to get into dental school and then for me uh, a residency in oral, oral maxillofacial surgery which is a very competitive field so I had to be at the top of my class so going out of the mission, that's kind of uh, what my wife and I, Emery, were focused on. And, and both of us understood that's where we wanted to get eventually. And of course, deciding to pursue a medical career is only part of the equation because you still need to do well in school, score high on your dental admissions test, and then start to apply anywhere you and your family would be willing to go, which is what you do. And how did that go? Uh, the first letter I got back was from the University of Iowa, outright rejection. And, you know, that was a kick in the gut. <laughs> I was like, oh, for you one. know, talking to, yeah, oh, for one, talking to my wife, Emery, I was like, this isn't good. I really thought that that was one I could get into. And they just said they weren't interested. Um, I think I sent out 13. That was the only one that said no. It just happened to be the first one. And then I had some choices to make. We ended up choosing to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan at the University of Michigan Dental School. Uh, the reason I made that decision was uh, we had some good choices, but I felt like Ann Arbor was going to be safest for my family. At that time, I had uh, my first son, Levi. He was two years old. Emery and I had been married for three years. And uh, a lot of dental schools are in rough areas of cities. And this was a a much safer location and a much nicer location for my family. And that's part of what drove that decision. Um, And I'm glad we did. It turned out to be a terrific experience. And I should also mention, you've gotten back now. Do you reactivate with the military? I mean, you're right back at the National Guard. And... Yeah, so when I, as I went back to Utah State to finish my undergrad, um, I went back into ROTC, 
And uh, doing ROTC, I incurred uh, a four-year obligation to the Army active duty time. Um, when I got into dental school, I contacted the Army and said, I am in dental school. And they said, okay, great. Uh, we'll let you do dental school. You had to get permission. And they said, we'll give you a scholarship to do it, and we'll make you part of the dental corps. We're going to commission you as a dental corps officer. When I graduated, that's what I did. So I actually went to dental school as a, as a dental, dental corps officer and had a stipend, which really kind of helped our growing family survive. <laughs> and, and back to what your dad said, you know, I, I don't have the money, but the Army does. So have, is all your undergrad paid for, and then your, your dental school is also paid for by, by the military? All of that was paid for by the military. Now, the, the Army did give us a scholarship for dental school, and they give you a stipend, but it's not enough to really make ends meet. So just as most uh, doctors and dentists do, as you go through school, we incurred some debts um, getting through all of that. And that's, that's such a huge piece of all of this because as you're piling up debt and you still haven't ever done your job and you have no idea what your money, it, it, what your skills are capable of making, it gets really nerve wracking. Just like any other business owner, you reach that point where you're like, is this going to turn? Am I going to be able to really make a living doing this? Meanwhile, I've taken the leap of faith and I've got all this debt hanging over my head. So you, you go to dental school. It's time to graduate. You, 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 you yourself said it, you know, you got to be up there to, to get to the top, which is maxillofacial surgery. Did you accomplish your goal to, to be up near the top to, to get in. I did. And, um, you know, this whole thing, so much of this is really, I, my wife is an amazing person and we decided to do things, um, the way that we've been asked to do it. We decided not to hold off on our family. We decided to start a family. We decided to go to school and we decided we do it all at the same time. And everything really that we have accomplished and it has been us together is because Amory, my wife has just been rock solid. I could not have done it literally could not have done it without her. I couldn't have the beautiful, wonderful children I have. I couldn't have the home. I have all of these tremendous blessings in every respect. My wife has been my business partner. She's been my residency partner. She's been my dental school teammate and she has made it all possible. I don't really know. And I've always tried to express to her how I feel about that. I just have never been able to really help her understand, but I think she knows <laughs> um, in her own way that it has been a partnership. And I think without my wife, I would not have made it to surgery. Be that simple. I, I wouldn't have had the time to focus and to do all those things while she was handling so much of the other duties and responsibilities that we have. Right. And where did you go for your uh, I guess medical school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's oral surgery residency, which part of it is, is medical training and then the surgery training and all that. Um, the army had a hold of me. So I was on my way to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, now known as Fort Liberty. Um, and we headed down there after I graduated in 2010 for a five-year residency. So you don't apply once you're part of that dental core, they assign you to where you want to, where you have to go to, or did you have to apply? No, I absolutely had to apply. Okay. And in most cases, they won't let you come out of dental school and go straight to a program. You usually have to do two or three years in the army before they'll give you that training. Um, because we work so hard in dental school and, and 
did as well as we did, we were able to get into the residency directly, which was um, a blessing because I didn't want to wait two or three more years to finally get going on what I wanted to do. And how many years are you in into your commitment to the military at this point? Yeah, at this point, um, my four years of dental school had overlapped with the four years I owed the Army. But by doing four years of dental school, I owed them four more years. <laughs> <laughs> and then by going into residency and doing another four or five years of residency, I owe them that time again. And so each of these obligations is paid off by the next step, but there's still steps after that. Right. So they, they give you, you know, hey, we're going to pay for the five years, but then you're giving us five years on the backside. Exactly. Exactly. You, you got to pay the piper. And um, the one thing I would say about my time and training in the military is that it was absolutely top notch. I have no regrets about the military. A lot of people, well, you got done with residency, you couldn't go out and make a great living right away. No, I, I mean, um, I still was able to support my family in a great way, which is amazing. Um, but the training that I received in the military, because you can do so much more in a residency in the military because the funds are there and the patients are there. So if there's a procedure that you think would be appropriate and good for the patient, you can do it. And um, that gave me so many skills. You know, um, in most businesses, you're selling services. And my services happen to be skills that I have to be extremely good at to build a good business. And so this training uh, gave me that ability. And uh, I'm grateful for my Army training because I think it gave me a leg up on my peers coming out of, out of residency. And where did you do your residency? That was at Womack Army Medical Center at Fort Bragg. Okay, so that's still in North Carolina. Yeah. After you finished the five years, do you stay in North Carolina or, or do you decide to, to branch out? No, yeah. Um, the Army then assigned me to Oh, you don't get to choose. York. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, that's right. You're in the Army. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like, hey, where would you like to go? And then you get wherever they want you to go. So <laughs> there's not much choice. They assigned me to, to Fort Drum, uh, New York. Um, you know, one, one thing I would share with you as far as faith and fortune, so much of my training is how I'm going to make my living. It, it was really um, super, super important. I remember when I was in residency, my first year of residency, we're working over a hundred hour weeks for those years and they're brutal. Um, I, Amory would keep the kids up late on Wednesday night so I could come home and see him for a few hours because most nights I did not make it home till 11, 12, one. And then I was on call for many of those nights and back at the hospital at five in the morning. And so this was a period of time that I was, you questioned like, do I really want to do this? And this is just awful. And my Bishop came to me and asked me to serve in the bishopric, And I was like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) do you not see my life? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you got the right guy. You know, you haven't seen me at church very often. And there's a reason for that. You know, he's like, can you commit to being there on Sundays? And I said, let me talk to my wife. (laughs) And we, we, we talked about it. And Anne-Marie said that she would support me in it. And for us, and I don't think this is for everybody, but I viewed this as an opportunity to, uh, to continue to stay close to the Lord 
at this very difficult time. So I was grateful for it. And I said, yes, I'll do it, but I'm going to be probably the worst counselor you're ever going to have. It's just the way it is. Um, but we said yes. And then uh, the rest of the time in residency, I served in a bishopric and it was a tremendous blessing to me. It kept me balanced. There's perspective in the gospel when everything is just so busy and so many late nights and no time with the family. It helped me stay focused. It helped me stay balanced. And the Lord really gave me the strength to make it through residency. Um, I, I credit that with, with so much of the success I had in residency and afterwards. Um, so I'm grateful that that calling came. Was there real thoughts about not doing this, even though you've put in so much time because of the struggles that you were going through? Sure. Yeah. Just like the army, when you first get there or the mission field, when you've just been there a few days and you're like trying to learn a language or you're experiencing that homesickness, am I in the right place? You know, then you get down on your knees and you pray and um, you ask those questions and then you recommit and you move forward with faith. And that, that plays right into your next kind of big decision, which we, we kind of foreshadowed before that you're getting close to 20 years. And let's first talk about that. When, when you hit 20 years in the military, you know, what, what are the perks that come with, with 20 years of service? Yeah, 20 years of service is a full retirement. So that's the golden parachute, right? That's where everybody wants to get to. And then you get um, uh, your retirement pay. You immediately start drawing health care, uh, benefits for your family, all of those types of things. And so um, federal service, 20 years is, is the benchmark. If you go beyond that, great. But if you can hit that 20, then you're, you're in good shape. And um, I, I had finished my time at Fort Drum. And, uh, I owed the army four more years and I, I did that time and that was decision time either to stay or to go. And that's kind of the decision we were faced with. It came down to, I had 18 years, good years towards retirement, not quite enough. And there were a lot of questions that came with that. Do we keep going? Do we get out? And my wife and I did that together. We prayed and we fasted and thought a lot about that decision. And we felt like for our family, it was time, time to exit the military. I don't know why. We just felt like it was time. Others, the opposite decision would be the right one. But for us, I feel like it was right to leave. Um, which meant, you know, at the time I was working at an office off post. I had a really good relationship with a couple of surgeons there. And the story gets very interesting because they wanted me to buy in and I was planning on it. And then they kind of pulled the rug out at the last second. And I am literally two months from leaving the military with a job I thought I was going to that had disappeared. And uh, right now, no way to support my, my family. And that's where we um, flew all over the country, interviewed at eight or ten different places, got some job offers, and nothing felt quite right. My wife turned to me one day and said, I think that we should open our own office. And that was a relative. Relevatory moment for us. We realized that I, as soon as she said it, I felt the spirit. I said, that's crazy. (laughs) You're going to go and open an office in a place where there's already multiple surgeons. And, um, and we both felt that that was the right thing for our family. And that was largely driven by how our kids were doing in the schools and, and they were comfortable and happy with where we were. 
And so that's the decision we made. And I met you through my brother who, who was also, uh, it was in the military and is a, a maxillofacial surgeon as well. And he yeah. said, he told me like, for you to leave at 18 years is crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> it, 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 he says, I don't think any military person would understand that. And so I'm looking at this, you leave at 18 years, but really is at 20, but you lost two years because of your mission. Yeah. And so yeah. all these factors must be spinning in your head, but leading up to that time when your wife said we should open our own business, was there not anger, but like questions of like, why isn't this working out? I'm just trying to serve. I'm just trying to be the best, just trying to take care of my family. Why isn't the, the path being just red carpeted before me? Oh, of course. You know, you, you always ask those questions. And it, um, especially when that deal fell through with these surgeons that I was pretty close friends with and I'd spent a lot of time with, you know, um, it really came out of nowhere. And there was uh, no changing it at the time. Once we came up to Watertown, I was serving as a bishop. I've been a bishop for four years. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> just yeah. feeling that carpet pulled out from under your feet. Whew. You just feel that, that floor drop out from under you. And um, definitely a gut check and some questions. But then there's also the reassurance and that peace that the Holy Ghost can bring that we're promised. You know? And so as I prayed about it, I had this feeling everything's going to be okay. And I've had that enough uh, through my army service and the years I've lived so far to say, okay, it will be okay. Let's start working for the next opening and let's start looking hard. And, and we did, we flew everywhere. We did a lot of different things. We had a lot of different opportunities and then the door opens and the Lord reveals this is an option for you. And I always feel like those are choices too. We could have easily made the choice to go join a, join a surgery practice in Utah or Colorado or Montana, but this is the one that I felt like uh, would be best for our family, and that's the one we took. So you decide that we're going to leave the Army. I mean, do you still have some – you must have some benefits. There must be like 18 years of something. You get something, right? It's not like you just – it's all or nothing, right? You know, Jason, to tell you the truth, I get nothing. Oh, no. I don't get anything. If I was to rejoin federal service and do a few years, I could get retirement. So, but I'd have to go back into the military. Leaving the way I did, it's just deuces. You just walk out the door. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, I thought you got at least like, I don't know, 75% or, or something, but you're, you're, you get nothing. No, it's, you know, it's like any other business. You, you have this pension you're building and if you go out the door early, it's, uh, some, some of them maybe give you a little bit, but the Army just says you're done. Um, so that was really a big faith-based decision. Also, you know, as you're a surgeon, it's not like I took business classes. Nobody taught me how to run a business. So I said, we're going to open a business. And I said, okay, I think the first thing we have to do is get a, a loan to open a business. So <laughs> I went to the bank and they said, here you have to put together a, a package and you have to tell us how you're going to run your business, what you think it's going to do and where you're going to open it and all this stuff. And I had this dumped in my lap, never had a class on any of this. They don't teach you how to do this in healthcare. And, um, that was an interesting time. Anne Marie and I really just studied and worked hard and tried to figure out what all the steps would be and put together a business out of thin air in two months. 
So it took two months to get everything together because, I mean, this is, you've got to set up, you know, all your equipment is, is not just the location. You've got to get all that equipment in there. We didn't have an office. Uh, we found a location that was a lease opportunity. It was uh, an eggshell or uh, a shell. So we just uh, walked in and said, well, we want a lease. And we found somebody to build us an office. It, it took two and a half months and we were open. So now that you've likely gone into debt to, to finance yeah. a lot of this stuff, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You still have a little bit of debt probably hanging over from school. Uh, I mean, how do you build your clientele? Because you can open the doors, but people got to walk in. Yeah, you got to find people to come in. And that was the big question mark. Okay, we just spent all this money. What do we do now? And that's um, going out and uh, meeting with the dentist. Now, I've been in the community for a few years, so I have some friends and some some groups, but you still don't know if they're going to send you patients. And um, so we, we opened doors, and we were able to open doors with about three weeks of patients fully booked, luckily. And uh, from there, I have never been less than six or seven weeks booked right now i think i'm booked out six months it's it's not a that's a bad situation in our business you know we're we got to get somebody else in here and we're looking but um i think that that's just you know that that faith to say okay we're gonna do this and we're gonna roll the dice and we're gonna go with this feeling that we have that the lord wants us to stay here and and continue to build and and raise our, our family here and uh we were blessed for that and continue to be blessed for that. And I know that the success of our business is built on two things, the Lord and my wife, because we, we opened a business and this is an important story. Maybe for people to hear, we opened a business and thought we had a great business manager, someone that I'd worked with. Turns out she was going through some things and, um, she could not run the business after about a month in we lost a hundred thousand dollars. She wasn't processing payments. She didn't know how to do it. And she had some personal things going on and um, uh, we didn't know how to do it. My wife, Anne-Marie, jumped in. She said, "I somebody's got to do it. You got to do surgery. I got to do business. And she jumped in there and learned the business. <laughs> and she figured out how to do it all on her own. And then she started calling people and asking for tips. And um, my wife, my amazing wife, <laughs> pulled us out of those first few months where, uh, you know, you get into business, you don't know how it's going to go. And then you have a major hiccup and a major piece falls out from underneath you. And my, my wife saved our business. And, um, I did the surgery and she did all the business stuff and we kept it going. Does she continue to do it today? Uh, she's pulled back a lot because she hates it. So, (laughs) you know, and I don't hold it against her. She does uh, some of the accounts receivable type of stuff and she keeps an eye on the books. Uh, But we have been able to hire and and find good people. And now she's been able to step back from the business more. But when I needed her and when we needed her, she was able to step in and uh, really a miracle, a miracle that she could figure out how to do it and to keep us afloat and to not make us one of those many businesses that immediately just plunges under. And what are you looking forward 
to in, in, in the future of your business? Is it expansion? Is it just continuing to do what you're doing? What, what, what does it look like five years? Yeah, actually, we've, uh, we've got another office underway right now and hiring another surgeon. And then um, we've also bought some property um, not too far away. I don't want to give too much away because it's uh, still ongoing, but we'll be building another office. Uh, so we'll have three locations and multiple surgeons, and that's the way um, that we can kind of build that business. You know, healthcare is really that type of business is all built on patient care. It's patient interaction, and it's dealing with people. There's really not much else to it except for the skill to do the surgery well. And uh, we've been able to hire amazing people um, who have helped us build our business. And now we've got a good reputation and an opportunity to move into more markets and to, to expand that and to teach someone else how to come in and do surgery and do the business <laughs> and hopefully take some of the load off of us, which is awesome. What do you hope your, your children learn from this experience that you and your wife have gone through, but and will continue to go through. You're, you're, you're fairly young, so there's lots, lots of years left moving forward. Oh, I, I love that question. You know, my oldest son really went through residency and all of those very tough times. He's on a mission now in Peru. He's doing an amazing job. And uh, he has told me that he has seen the value of hard work and he has seen the value of a partnership between my wife and I that has made it work, which I really hope that he has picked up on that you find someone that you are truly a partner with that you share your life with that you build your life with because they will be there through the more difficult times. And he has mentioned, he said, dad, you know, I didn't realize when you guys were doing all that, um, that it must've been hard to keep those callings and to keep doing uh, the church stuff and to make sure that you were involved. I said, yeah, it was really hard, but we had you to teach and that's the more important thing. And, um, I think that hopefully he's learned that lesson. I hope his younger siblings are learning that lesson as well. Although circumstances change and it's a little easier for the younger ones than it was for the older one. <laughs> Do you think it, your life maybe would have been easier if you didn't skip seminary? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> No, man. What if I hadn't <laughs> taken her on that first date? What would have happened? You know, that's where I, I think I, I worked my magic that first day. That's the only time I had it and it worked, I guess. Uh, and this is in so, Utah, right? This is, this is not early morning seminary. No, this is extended release. Like I, I went in and sat down in class, flirted with her for a few days. And I said, I went and sat down one day and said, Hey, you want to go with me? And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, let's go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I love it. I'm just teasing you, though. <laughs> and she, yeah, she went, but she never went again. And uh, <laughs> I knew I had a winner there. So we only skipped it once, but it was a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when we've been able to go through your story here and really, you know, thank you for sharing it. Yep. But when you look at your life and all the things you've done, and the businesses you've built and, and continue to build and even the callings you've held, you know, how do you really look at life and, and measure success in it? I love that question. You've asked that on your podcast and it's such a great question. Different answer from different people, which I like too. For me, uh, the first thing I would say is how is my relationship with, with God and my Savior? Where am I there? 
uh, am I in close contact with them and can I feel that spirit and can I feel that closeness? Because without that, uh, the other pieces just won't come into place. And then I would put my relationship with my wife and children right behind that. Um, if my wife is happy and if I am um, helping her live her best life, that is success. I think uh, that the Lord is happiest with us when we are helping those that we are closest to find Him and be happy in this life. And I would put my children right there with them. Other success comes and goes. I mean, when we are gone, it doesn't matter how much money we make. It really does not matter at all or what type of business we build. It can't take it with us. And so those two things are, are where I would place uh, the emphasis. And I think that those relationships change and they wax and wane. Um, but I just try and keep that closest to the Savior and make sure that my family is happy. And then I find that no matter what happens, I'm pretty happy. That's Dr. Logan Curtis, owner of Upstate Oral Surgery and Dental Implants. As he continues to grow and open new offices, Dr. Curtis is always looking for qualified candidates to work with him. You can connect with his office via his website, upstateoralsurgery.com. We appreciate your support. We hope you share with your friends and family. And please leave us a review. We will see you next time. New episodes come out every second and fourth Monday of the month.